John chapter 12. We were talking in Bible study about the gospel of Christ. If a man gets up before a group of people and does not speak of the gospel of Christ, he's doing absolutely nothing. Everything that those folks are doing, those who are sitting and listening and those who are doing whatever it is they're doing in pulpits around the world is in vain. Salvation is of the Lord. That's it. Plain and simple. And that salvation is the good news to sinners. I pray the Lord will give me a little unction this morning to preach to, preach to like-minded, like-minded like myself, sinners who need grace. There were three things that I want to bring before you this morning that were accomplished on the cross. And these three things need to be brought out in every message. Maybe not in as great a detail as I want to bring these out this morning, but they need to be spoken of. Otherwise, you're not preaching the gospel. In John chapter 12, we read in verse 27, Now is my soul troubled, saith the Lord. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but our Lord went willingly to that cross, folks. Was it troublesome for him? Was it a burden? Father, save me from this hour. Consider what it was for he who knew no sin to come to this world knowing that his father was going to turn his back on him. Consider how profane that is, knowing that this is what was going to happen. Our Lord was acquainted with sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. He knew, he knew the, the sorrow that he was going to have to go through with his father turning his back on him. He knew the, the pain and the sorrow that he was going to have to go through coming to this world for you and I. And before he ever even was made of a virgin, before he was ever born of a virgin, before he ever stepped foot on this earth, he was satisfied with what he was going to do because he knew what it would accomplish. It would accomplish salvation for you and I. Three things that will be accomplished on the cross. Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. <laughs> Father, glorify thy name. This is the cause that our Savior came to this world and went to the cross for. To glorify God Almighty. To give Him all the glory through salvation. Going on, then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it, said that it thundered. Others said, an angel spake on him, to him. Then Jesus answered, and he said, This voice came not because of me. Did you catch that? The voice from heaven. He was, talk he was talking to his father. He didn't need to hear what his father was going to say. He and his father as one. He knew what was, what was going to happen. This voice did not come down that you just heard. All the people around Jesus did not come down for my sake. It did not come down for me, but for yours. For all of those people that were standing there. All of those who heard it. It was for their sake. Verse 31, Now is the judgment of this world... Now shall the prince of this world be cast out, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, 
will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. So we know he's talking about the cross, right? After speaking of his soul in verse 27, being troubled, our Lord said these words. He said, Father, glorify thy name. And then the Father spoke from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And then we read in verse 29, the people therefore that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. Some said one thing, some said another. Without God making His Word effectual into people's hearts, they'll go out into the religions of the world and worship anything. They'll hear different things. They'll look at God's Word and come up with things of their own imaginations. You know this to be true. That's why we have so many different religions. If there was only two people on earth, we'd only have two religions, wouldn't we? Without our Lord making His Word effectual, sinners would not be of one mind. Only when God blesses His Word to our hearts are we of one mind concerning Christ. They said an angel spoke to Him. It seems as though they thought Christ needed an angel to speak to Him. But our Lord told them why this voice came. He said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. How was it for their sakes? Well, I can tell you this, folks. The word of the Lord always serves a twofold purpose. To strengthen the faith of His people. To strengthen our faith. To give us the ability to go through this valley of the shadow of death with the strength of our Savior and to remove all excuses from unbelievers. How many will hear this word today and say, I'll not have that God that you're preaching rule over me? We never know where these recordings go out. I've shared with this with you before. We were sending out CDs to our dear brother Ron Halsey. Ron Halsey takes the CDs after he's listened to them several times. He goes down and he puts them up on the local post office bulletin board, kind of like what we got out here. And every one he puts up disappears and goes somewhere. We don't know where they go. One day we got a phone call from a lady who was a traveling salesman or something. She traveled a lot, ran her car a lot. And she said, you did a series of messages um, I can't remember what the title of it was. It was nine, ser nine messages that I brought out on the characteristics of God's grace. That's what it was. She goes, I don't have number eight. <laughs> and I've listened to all the other ones and they're about worn out. Can you, can you send me number eight? I said, I don't have it. Our recording device quit working and I didn't re-record it. Re didn't redo it. Oh! Alright. I'll just keep listening to it. I don't know what happened to her. She moved down south. I, I kept in touch with her for a little while and she moved down to Alabama or something. She was up in Missouri and uh, next to Arkansas there. She, she, she moved down to Alabama with me with her daughter. I never heard from her again after that. But we never know where God's word is going to go. Our Lord sends his word out for two 
purposes, to strengthen the faith of his people and remove the excuses of believers. God said, like the rain and snow accomplishes his purpose and never returns void, he says these words, so God's word never returns to him void. That means it never returns without accomplishing its purpose. The world allows, they, they all, the word always accomplishes these two things, and this is why we value the preaching of the gospel. Isn't that why we come here? To be strengthened, to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Savior, to hear more about what our Lord has done for us, so as we walk back in, in our flesh throughout this world, we have strength, remembering, you know, maybe God will bring it to our memory of what we heard this Sunday. The three things that He accomplished for me on the cross. As my boss is yelling at my face, or is something else, whatever it might be. Is that not why? It's why the preaching of the gospel is such a joy to a child of God. It's such a joy, but yet it's a weight. Speaking of Christ's ministers who preach the gospel of Christ in truth, Paul said these words in 2 Corinthians 2, verses 14 through 17. He said these, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Did you notice that? It's not in me. I don't triumph in me. But if I preach Christ, He'll work in somebody's heart one way or another, and everything He does shall be accomplished. I have faith in that. Why? Because He's God. And He never fails. Which always causes us to triumph in Christ and make make it manifest to the Savior of His knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are a savor of death unto death and to the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God but are as sincerity but as of God in the sight of God speak we in Christ. And then the Lord Jesus declared three things after we see where he declared his trouble, calling upon the Father, the voice from heaven. He declared these three things that, that were accomplished by his death. And these three, and these three things, the name of the Father is glorified. First is judgment. That's what we read in, in verse 31. Now is the judgment of the world. The second one is Christ conquered the devil. That's what we also read in, in verse 31. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And the third one is his death is calling his people. Judgment was accomplished on the cross. The conquering of the devil was, was accomplished on the cross. And our Lord accomplishes calling his people by bringing out the gospel of his cross. That's what we read in verse 32 and 33. And if I be lifted up, he says, from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Then he said, signifying what death he should have. Now, my subject this morning are three, three accomplishments of the cross. Christ's death and resurrection is the gospel accomplished. The gospel concerns the person and the accomplished work of Christ Jesus, our Lord. These three things must be declared, as I said earlier, or you're not calling on the gospel. You're not preaching the word of God if you're not talking about judgment, conquering of the devil, putting away sin, and calling God's people out of darkness. Oh, 
By God revealing Christ and the work he accomplished in our hearts, he makes his people of one mind. Number one, we are of one mind to speak this gospel to one another. Brother, I, I just, you know, I don't know why, but I just keep, I just keep doing this. I can't get away from it. It besets me. It comes out of my mouth or out of my mind before I even know it. You know, I got stuff like that too, brother. Maybe not exactly as yours, but I got stuff just like that. I'm in the same boat as you are. You know what helps me through that? What helps me through that is to know that my Lord has not my Lord has not let anything go and left it to me. I'm hoping what I just said to you may be to one of you. I know. I don't know the details. I don't want to know the details. I'm not going to share my details with you. I'm ashamed of them. And I hope you're ashamed of yours, but I know you have them, and I know you fight with it. If you're a child of God, you can't help but fight with it. This is what our Lord uses His gospel for, to help us be of one mind. It is laid at the feet of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Brother, I know your problems. I've got one of my own, and the only way I can deal with it is to look to my Savior, lay it at His feet, where all things are taken care of by Him. If He decides that it's best for me to keep going through it, then He knows better than I do. Listen to a message about Daniel. You know Daniel, he was he was a leader in the group there, and the king had put him as one of the princes, as one of the governors, and some of the other governors didn't like Daniel being in the position he was in, so they started watching him. They all knew he was Christian. They all knew he was Christian. And they they went to the king and they said, you know. Maybe you should put up a decree. And they, they talked to him nicely and talked the king into making a decree. And the king made the decree. And then they went to Daniel's room and they found out, see how Daniel's doing just exactly what we thought he'd be doing. He's praying to his God. He's worshiping. He's offering up sacrifice to his God. Go tell the king real quick. Did you not make a decree? Yes, I did. Daniel. Oh. All right, bring him to me. Why in the world did I do that? Bring him to me. And I don't remember the exact words Daniel said, but he said that if it be my Lord's will, so be it. They threw him in the lion's den. And it was the Lord's not it was not the Lord's will for those lions to eat him. It was the Lord's will to, for the lions to eat all the other people. Did you know it said not only their wives? those other men, their wives, but also their children. Whatever God has for me, He knows what's right. 
And I may go into it kicking and screaming that it's not fun, but I know in my heart it's right for me. And if you're a child of God, you know it too. We are of one mind to speak this gospel one to another because we have experienced and we know the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. It is the gospel that the Spirit of God blesses to the heart to work whatever we need. So is the word we are to speak one to another at all times. That is the gospel. Secondly, by revealing the finished work of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus in our hearts, the Lord makes us of one mind to intercede for one another. Well, what do you mean by that? Brother, I know you're troubled. I can't help you with that other than tell you where I take my troubles. Let me pray for you. Let me pray. Lord, nevertheless, thy will be done, but Father, if it be your will, I ask that you would get this, dear brother, through the trouble that he is in. I pray, Father, that you would take care of this child of yours with love and mercy as you do in all of your children. Father, give him the strength that you have given me to get through mine. And help me, Lord, as I stumble into another trouble, that I might have that strength again too. Thank you, Lord, for giving it to my heart to intercede on behalf of my brothers and sisters in Christ to you. <coughs> Folks, we see Christ on His throne interceding for us. We have a great high priest touched with the feeling of our infirmities who is able to sustain and comfort his needy children. So we pray for one another, don't we? Thirdly, by our understanding that Christ accomplished this work by his death, having experienced his power and ability in ourselves, we are of one mind to trust Christ. The gospel brings trust. It gives us the power. It gives us the ability ourselves. We are of one mind to trust Christ to work in the heart of one and another. He is our master. He shall make his people stand. We know this because we have experienced it ourselves over and over again. So we trust the work into his hands. So now I want to look at the accomplishments that are Christ's death. And may God the Holy Spirit make us of one mind to see these truths. First, we saw in Scripture was judgment, wasn't it? Verse 31 of John chapter 12. Now is the judgment of this world. Our Lord accomplished. That's the subject. Three things our Lord accomplished on the cross. Our Lord accomplished judgment. What? I thought that was at the end of the world. That judgment came at the end of the world. What are you talking about, John? 
It says, now is the judgment of this world. And because our Lord uses the words world and all in this passage, we want to be very careful and understand them correctly. Now is the judgment of this world, and I be lifted up from the earth, draw all unto me. Folks, this is speaking of his elect. You say, well, what do you mean by that? If you believe in a God who has died for every person, is your God strong or weak? We know people go to hell, don't we? Is there anyone who can argue that point with me? Any, anybody who's religious of any point? People go to hell, is that correct? So if your God is praying for all the world, if your God has gone to the cross to save the whole world and all that are in it, where's the power of your God? The God of Scripture is all power in heaven and earth. He does nothing that fails. He saved His people. He shall save His people. He is saving His people. And they will be saved. Period. When he says that these words all, or the world, he's talking about all of his saints, all of his elect, all of those who were written on the Lamb, in the Lamb's book of life before the world was ever created. He was talking about all of those who were inscribed in the palms of his hands when he was nailed to that cross. He speaks of his elect. And we know that because our Christ, the Christ of Scriptures, does not fail. In Matthew one twenty one, we read these familiar words, And she shall bring forth a son, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people. In Christ crucified, the judgment of God's elect is complete. The world of his elect, Jew and Gentile, was accomplished. Christ did not come to judge the world, but to save, and He did not fail. He said these words. He says, God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might and shall be saved. In John 12, verse 47, He says, I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. How did judgment, how was judgment fulfilled in the cross of Jesus Christ? Our judgment was fulfilled. What we deserve. By His grace are we saved through faith in Him. Our judgment was laid upon Him who sinned not. He was yet without sin. Our judgment was fulfilled. Our judgment was accomplished by Jesus Christ coming to the cross and laying down His life for us. God's not going to charge us again for something He's already charged His Son for. If His Son has already paid the debt, is it not paid in full? Is not redemption complete in Him? Along with sanctification, justification, all of that is fulfilled in our Savior, is it not? Is that not what we read in Scriptures? Christ did not fail. He went to the cross to be judged by God in place of you and I. 
Christ on the cross is the one man being judged by God in the place of all of His people throughout all time, throughout all the world. The first Adam was created without sin and given one law which He broke, thereby making all who represent all of who He represented guilty before God. Every single one of us. All became guilty, but the last Adam came forth a holy man without sin. He was willingly made under the commandments of the law. The God-man was proven holy, spotless, and without sin. First Adam sinned in a garden. The last Adam went to a garden, and he, and he who knew no sin, he was willingly made to be sin for his people. He bore not Adam's one trans not only Adam's one transgression, but he bore all the sins of all of his elect. Every sin that I will commit until he takes me out of this earth was put on him. Every sin for every child throughout all of time that belonged to him. And folks, there's a lot. There's more than any sand on any beach that you can count. There's a lot. And even all that there are is but a remnant of all of mankind. Our Lord, God the Father, will not. He will not clear the guilty. He won't just say, alright, yeah, yeah, I love you, so we'll just write off your, we'll just write off your St. John. No. He laid everything of mine on His Son. Judgment was accomplished. The curse of judgment is God justly casting sinners into outer darkness for eternity. You can read about that in 2 Thessalonians 1.9. Folks, the sinner who meets God without Christ, they first die physically, and then they suffer the second death in, death in outer darkness. But Christ bore that living death First on the cross in darkness, in judgment, our substitute was cast out of the glory of God's presence. God turned His back on His Son and He cried out, My God, my God, why hast Thou, uh, why hast thou forsaken Me? When it was you and I that should have been forsaken. That was the just judge executing justice on all of His people in all the world on Christ in place of His people. Secondly, we read the devil was conquered. Again, John chapter 12, verse 31, Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. By Christ's death, the devil was conquered and cast out. It is obvious that after Christ arose and poured out the Spirit of His church, the power of the devil was broken. The Gospel began to spread into all the nations beginning at the day of Pentecost. Is that not what the Word says? How has Christ cast out the devil? Two ways. Before God and in the hearts of His people. He cast him out before God. He accomplished what He was supposed to by his, in front of His Father. Therefore the devil was cast out. And he does it in the hearts of his people. In Revelations 12, verse 10, we read these words, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren, who is that? 
Who's the one who stands in heaven and says, wait a minute. Remember what John did? How can you save this? Remember what he did? Christ is sitting on his intermediate seat saying, I paid for that. He shut the devil up. He conquered the devil, the accuser. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. That is the first way the devil is cast out, and it's before God Himself. It concerns judgment being settled. You can't charge this one. Who can charge anything to God's elect? Is that not what we read in Romans 8? The sins of God's elect were put away by Christ Himself. Christ made us righteous so that the devil has nothing with which to accuse us before God. He, had, he conquered the devil, our accuser. The second way Christ cast out the devil is in the ears of His people by which He brings us to believe on Christ and to confess Christ as our all in our salvation. He's my all in all. He's not my all and then I got some. He is my all in all. The devil hates that. Wait a minute. No, John, there's got to be something you can do. No, there's not. Salvation is of the Lord and of the Lord alone. It is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. He brings us to believe Christ and to confess Christ is all of our salvation, and this is through the preaching of the gospel, which is the word of our testimony. And then we love not our lives unto death, but Christ's power and grace working in our hearts. We lay down our lives. We forsake all of our works and our sins. We love and we trusted in Christ. Now we lay at His feet. By Christ's power and grace, we do so even when it means death from persecutors. What do you mean by that, John? Listen to Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb. How do I overcome those who would persecute against me? By the blood of the Lamb. How did David, I just told you, how did he overcome what was about before him? By the blood of the Lamb. If it be God's will, it's good enough for me. Whatever you have for me. David went up against Goliath the same way. He had faith in his God that whatever happened... It was the purpose of his God to have it done such in such a way. Oh, Lord, help you and I. I would imagine going in to fight a fire that's raging around you and can kill you in a second would drive you to pray each and every time, God, thy will be done. If I live, thy will be done. If I die, thy will be done. When we have experienced Christ's power in our heart, we stop usurping God's authority. We turn it all over to Him. We bow and trust Christ in the work. That this is in the hearts of His people. We lay down our lives, trusting Christ to work in our hearts through the Gospel, through the preaching of His Word. This is the love of Christ. He has worked in our hearts. Many have been killed by Pharisees because they refused to renounce Christ, but they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. 
The Pharisees took their lives of this world, but they live in eternity by the blood of the Lamb. By the word of their testimony, the confession of Christ, and the preaching of the gospel by which we are saved, we are brought to lose our lives for Christ's sake. Fine. Whatever happens, it's going to happen. I know that's easier said than done. I'm preaching to myself right now. I need to hear that myself. I need to hear that with my own heart. Before God, by the blood of the Lamb, by Christ's intercession on our behalf, Christ defends His people from the devil's accusations. And since Christ settled judgment for us and fulfilled the law for His people and put away our sin and made us the righteousness of God in Him, the devil has nothing wherewith to accuse us before God. Turn over to Zechariah, if you would. Zechariah chapter 3. We'll come back to John chapter 12 in just a moment. Christ made intercession for Joshua before God. It was because Christ was Joshua's righteousness. Joshua was no more a man than any of us. He was no more righteous than you and I, other than the righteousness that is in God and our Savior Christ Jesus. And Christ made intercession for Joshua before God. It was because Christ was Joshua's righteousness. Joshua had no sin to condemn. There is now, no, there is now therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ. He was sinless in Christ. As it was for Joshua, the devil's accusations of you and I will be of no avail before God. God the Father rebuked the devil because Christ made intercession for Joshua. And be sure to get this. Christ makes intercession and trusted the Father to honor him by rebuking the devil for his sake. Look at Zechariah chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him, to accuse him, to tell, look, this is, look what Joshua's done. Now look what the Lord says. And the Lord said unto Satan, the Lord rebuke thee. O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? <laughs> are we not? Are we not a brand plucked out of the fire? That brings joy to my heart. Because I know I'm right there in that fire. I'm right there in that fire, yet not even my clothes will get singed because my Lord makes intercession for me. That doesn't mean I want to go out and do everything. That doesn't mean I want to go and live as I want to live. That means I want to live for Him. Because of what He's done, I want to live for Him. I hate sin, do you? That means I hate myself a lot. But I love my Lord who has taken it for me. Even the Lord that has chosen to Jerusalem rebuke you is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel and he answered and spake unto those that stood before him saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused 
thine iniquity to pass from me, and I will clothe thee with change of remnant. Look over at verses 3 through 7 now. All right, pick up again in verse 5. And I said, let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord protested of Joshua saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, if thou wilt walk in my ways and if thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house and shalt also keep my courts and I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. The Lord took the filthy garments of Joshua. Christ caused his iniquity to pass from him and he clothed them in the righteousness of Christ. The Lord put a crown on his head. He was made he has made us kings and priests unto God. He spoke into Joshua's heart, revealing the grace and the mercy of love. And God's mercy for Christ's sake broke Joshua's heart. Joshua experienced God's mercy for Christ's sake in the face of his own sin. Lastly, I want to bring about drawing of all. That's what we read back in our, in our text again in John chapter 12, verse 32. And if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. By our Lord's death, by Him going to the cross, He has accomplished everything for His people. By His death, Christ has arisen to draw all redeemed children of God unto Himself. When the people standing by heard God speak from heaven, they disagreed on what He was and what it was for. It's an example of why Christ must do the calling. He must make the word effectual in the hearts. All of those standing by, only some knew what it was. Those who Christ had done a work in their hearts. By His death, Christ has arisen to draw all of His redeemed unto Himself. They all heard, but God did not make them all hear effectually in the heart. So they were not of one mind. Therefore they disagreed. Another time the Lord said this over in John 8, 43. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Our Lord was lifted up on the cross and He accomplished these things. So now He is at God's right hand and it is Christ who does the calling. He says, I will draw all unto me. Christ is the only way who can say, I will. He's the only one who can say, I will. The all are those that He has redeemed in the world throughout all time, for whom He settled judgment. He draws, in other words, in power, like Peter drew his sword, irresistibly. He compared the Spirit to the wind and that which it cannot be resisted. He said that no man can come to Him except the Father draw Him. Here He says, I will draw unto Me. It's because Christ and the Father are one. Christ never stops calling us to Him. Therefore, we never stop coming to Him. Brethren, this is the work. This was the work, the joy that was set before Him for which Christ endured this cross, despising the shame, and is set down now at the right hand of the Father. Christ had just said, and His soul was troubled, and then He declared these three things. This was His joy. His soul was troubled, yet this is why. 
so that when I go to that cross, judgment will be accomplished. So that when I go to the cross, the devil will be defeated. So that when I go to the cross and then rose again, I can call all my children. After Peter was sifted, he was converted. He was converted all over again. He experienced this work of Christ. He said the only way to resist the devil is by faith in Christ, and he declared Christ never fails. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, But the God of all grace, this is Peter writing under the Holy, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that he had suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. From our conversion until the day that we must cross the river of death. It is this good news of what Christ accomplished that God blesses us with. It's this good news that God makes us perfect. It's this gospel message that our Lord establishes us, strengthens us, and settles us no matter what our needs are. Brethren, we only overcome by the blood of the Lamb. He settled our judgment. Because God is satisfied in our hearts, He makes us satisfied. He's cast the devil out. All the devil is now to you and I is a lion going about roaring, just making a noise. He can't do anything to us. He can't condemn us. He can't charge us for all that we have has been laid on our Savior. We experience this power in calling us when we would have sent away like Peter did. When we have went away just like Peter did. Beholding Christ's satisfied justice for worms like us and beholding how for His sake, for our Lord's sake, He is merciful and He forgives us. It breaks the heart. Does it not? It breaks the heart. It makes us use the gospel to each other. I know. I know you're troubled with your sins. So am I. With mine. Take it to the Lord. Go to your closet. In private, get out on your knees and confess your sins. He is faithful. His word is true. He has purposed it. And he will do it. Three accomplishments by our Lord going to the cross. My judgment was accomplished. The devil who tried to charge me is put away. And my Lord keeps calling me over and over and over again. Amen.